0: Boss Lady, what do you do when you're the only woman in the room?
1: I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater. And Hey, Boss Lady is our podcast about women leaders making change.
0: Our guest today is Patti Becker. In Las Vegas, she needs no introduction.
1: That's because Patti Becker has been a trailblazer for women in the gaming industry. And for many years, she was one of only a few women in her field.
0: Today, Patty is an attorney and consultant for the gaming industry. But for women... Throughout the nation and throughout this industry, she's really known as an incredible mentor.
1: Yes. Remember our guest Jennifer Gaynor? She wrote that book, That Expletive Broad? Well, Patty was one of the featured women of great women in gaming history.
0: Well, of course she was, because she was the first this and the first that. I mean, Christy, can you think of a time when you were the only person, the only woman in a room?
1: I can. And many times I still am. But uh, in my past, when I worked for a shipping company, there was oftentimes where I would look at a boardroom of 15 people and I was the only woman. And what I did was I would look up, kind of acknowledge it, and then get back to work. And uh, that's that was my strategy and kind of still is. And that attribute you just spoke about, that looking up, taking a,
0: a read of the room, and then saying, oh, okay, let me just get back to work. Knowing Patty, that is exactly what she did. It wasn't as though she was unaware at all, but she also knew the reason she was there was to do the most incredible job possible because that's who she is. Well, our guest today, as we've been saying, is Patty Becker, and she has played a much bigger role than she's probably going to acknowledge about the changes that have taken place for women in the gaming industry in particular. Patty Becker, Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for those kind words. Well, you know that we could gush about you. Well deserved. <laughs> yes. I mean, you are well known to us, and we are just really privileged to have you with us today. What I do want to, you know, I made mention at the top because we did have author uh, and attorney uh, Jennifer Gaynor on the show, and you were obviously a center part of the book that she wrote. Would you just talk, Patty, for a moment about some of the first so that our listeners will get a real feel for what you came into in this industry and then they'll understand as we talk how it's changed so much?
2: Oh, my. Well, uh, I was the first deputy attorney general for the Nevada Gaming Control Board and Commission. Mm-hmm. I was then promoted to be the chief. Uh, council for the Nevada Gaming Control Board and Commission, again, a first. I was the first female member of the Nevada Gaming Control Board in the state of Nevada. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and, so first, we were yeah, right. We were right.
2: Yeah. And senior vice president at Harrah's. I was the first member of two or three board of directors that I have been on. Right. I was... Uh, the first female to run the International Gaming Institute at UNLV. Exactly. That I, was it. That I've was had it. somebody yes. first. It's hard to remember. Well, yes,
1: I'm curious to know, because you've had somebody first, what did you do? What did you do when you realized you were the first? Oh,
2: you know, I did something that I'm not sure I would advise women today to do.
1: <laughs> oh, tell <I>, us.
2: <laughs> my um, mantra was the five P's. Prior preparation prevents poor performance. So I overly prepared, especially probably the first 10 to 15 years of my career. But once you start doing that, you continue to do that. And I was so afraid to make a mistake that I think there were times in my career I didn't take risks to the Ah. degree that you need to take To be able to move up to the top.
0: You know, so is that one of the characteristics that you think has changed? Do you think women in the gaming industry today, because of your leadership, that they're actually in the field, they're willing to take more risks? Or are you guiding them? Talk a little bit about that for a second.
2: Interesting. Yes, Global Gaming Women uh, does educational programs, and we absolutely encourage women to take risks. Okay. um, Along the way, you have to learn how to fail to continue to move
1: up. That is great advice. And I have to thank you because I have been fortunate to receive some of global gaming women's services. And I'm part of a global gaming woman lean in circle. And it's been extremely helpful for me in my career.
0: You know, you didn't start out being the first. There was a lot. That preparation, that over-preparing that you talked about started really early with you. And I know you went to college, but I'm trying to remember, did you go straight to law school after college, or was there a gap? No,
2: I did not. I First of all, Christy, yes. you warmed my heart. Oh, when ah. You said that you had taken classes at Global Gaming Women. Because yeah. um, with all of the things I have done, I believe... Participating in the creation of that is what I'm proudest of. It truly warms my heart. So, um, no, I actually went to undergraduate school, and my degree is in elementary education, and I taught second grade at Rex Bell Elementary School in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. I had always told people I wanted to be a lawyer, and I think that's because I read a lot as a child, And in retrospect, years later, I reread To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that it's that book that instilled in me the passion to become a lawyer, because there was no one in my family was a lawyer at the time. My parents sold shoes for a living. I didn't even know what a lawyer did. But from the age of maybe 13, people would ask me what I was going to do, and I would say, I'm going to be a lawyer.
1: I think that ties in, right, with your wanting to educate women in the in the gaming field, you being a teacher first, and then becoming a lawyer. And let's get into your first job after graduating law school as a clerk.
2: My first job was as a law clerk to the Chief Justice of the Nevada Supreme Court. That's a heck of a first job, and, girlfriend. <laughs> no kidding. He was an absolutely wonderful man. Um Justice Batcher. And in retrospect, this so fits in because he had three daughters and no sons.
0: So you went went to the Supreme Court, then you got into the gaming industry, and even your entree into the gaming industry had a a particular importance around the Supreme Court. Can you tell us a little bit because so many people talk about, especially with the Me Too movement, you know, why were you quiet? Why did you say quiet so long? And Christy and I were talking about the concept of being afraid. And in that, we then read about your having, you know, gone before the Supreme Court on the case with the mafia kingpin, Tony Spalacho. And tell us a little bit about that. And tell us, were you ever afraid? But tell, tell our listeners, because they may not be aware of this part of the history of the gaming industry.
2: When I was chief counsel for the Gaming Control Board and Commission, one of the cases that was pending before the Nevada Supreme Court was putting Tony Spalatro into what was called the Black Book. Okay. And the constitutionality of the underlying law, he had been excluded from every place within the gaming industry. So what was interesting about the case is there was a time when cameras were prohibited in the courtroom, and the U.S. Supreme Court just changed the law, I would think it was about a month to six weeks before the Spolatro case was going to be argued, and the Nevada Supreme Court issued a ruling allowing cameras in the courtroom, and so there I was arguing against Oscar Goodman. Oh, I wow. think I was, yeah, I was probably maybe 26, 27. Oh, my goodness. And, and it was televised. And the wow. most charming part about this story is um, I was working for the attorney general, um, Richard Bryan. Mm-hmm. And when I got the notice that they were going to televise the argument, I thought for sure he would want to argue the case and that I would just prep him. <sighs> and he said, nope. No, he said, but what I will do is I'll be I'll come and attend the hearing with you. So he sat next to me, the attorney general, wow. as I argued the case.
0: You know, you started by telling us how the chief justice, you know, had these girl children and how he was prepped. <laughs> you then have another example of an incredible man for our state. When given the opportunity, you know, how many people, male or female, when given the opportunity to take the spotlight, would have said, no, this is your case. This, I think that alone, I mean, those of us in this state have a pretty high regard of Richard Bryan to begin with, but in our conversation, that really um, just sticks out for me. So, Christy, pick up, please.
1: Yeah, I want to know, when something like that happens, when you're given a platform and you have the support... Are you still scared? What are your survival secrets?
2: Oh, my. <laughs> Again,
1: I overly prepared. I had one of my
2: deputies do a Q&A with me. Like, right. I had the deputy come over and mm-hmm. pretend he was a Supreme Court justice mm-hmm. and ask me the hardest questions he thought I would have to answer. And I think we did that two or three times. And I was nervous. I wasn't scared. Sure. I was nervous, but as the, as we progressed through the hearing, all of a sudden that went away. It's actually, I can recall the instant because the then Supreme Court justice asked me a question about whether or not Mr. Spilatro could have been excluded from the MGM, and I responded that the MGM was not in was in the gaming business, they weren't in any other business, and I, I had to stop and say. They are obviously in the entertainment business, oh. but in Nevada, <laughs> right. in the gaming industry. And it was that point on when I was able to make a little misstep yep. and make the correction that I kind of fell into it, and it got easier.
0: And, you know, Patty, between your five Ps and the things that you've said, the, the thought that came to mind was that line that with you and with how I am sure you then mentor – Opportunity meets preparedness, that Mm -hmm. when you – you may be afraid um, and it – you know, but you prepare to get that out of you. You know, you were up against – and for our listeners who are not native to Nevada in general and Las Vegas specifically, you know, Oscar Goodman was – an incredible transformational mayor of this city, and nationally he would be known uh, for that. But he, his career had been in representing many mafia kingpins. And for you to have that platform and to know who you were up against and who the client was, was there concern for your physical safety? Was there any type of concern relative to that?
2: No, not really. Um... You know, yeah, that is at good. that yeah. point, their, their, the mafia kind of had their own internal code. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until a few years later that there were one or two federal court judges who were gunned down.
0: Oh, so at the time, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So I might have been naive,
0: right? But right. I
2: never felt unsafe. And
0: you know, again, I think that's also one of the things that you use the word naive. Well. If we, we've talked through so many of our guests that if we had known ahead of time what it was going to take, maybe we wouldn't quite, you know, go out there. Um, but I want to swing us from your background into where you are today and what Christy has mentioned and what I know is one of your greatest crowning achievements of all of the years of work that you've put in. And that's the creation of an event, Kick Up Your Heels and Global Gaming Women. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Okay. In 2009, I was uh, the executive director of the International Gaming Institute. And I decided to throw a fundraiser for women in gaming where the funds would go to the uh, education of women in gaming. Mm -hmm. And I called... I personally called every senior woman that I knew in the industry. And not only did I invite them, but I got many of them to sponsor. And what happened is what I thought was going to be a small event, and we held it in the presidential suite at Caesars Palace, Mm -hmm. uh, turned out just to be huge. And it was wonderful. So because I had been in government for a period of time. I had invited the female members of the gaming control or the gaming control board and the agency, plus all of these women executives in the industry, all these mid level management women who got to meet their more senior female executives in the industry. Great. And I wanted the program to be warm and inclusive. So there were two things that I did. I said that the cost of admission was the price of your last pair of shoes. go. kick up your heels. Oh. So and that was costly for some of us. If you wanted to donate $15, you could come. Mm-hmm. If you had just gotten Christian Louboutins and wanted to donate $800, you could come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I had my adorable mother-in-law assist me, and we made um, cookies that were decorated like stilettos. And when people were leaving, everybody got a little to-go bag with the cookies. And it was just the perfect environment, the set of flame and an understanding that there was such a need for a place where women could support other women in this industry, meet them. And, you know, it's hard because women are working. They have families to take care of. They have kids to take care of. They don't have the free time to network Right. At least right. I didn't think so, the way men do. Right. And so at least once a year, this became an annual event, which has just, it's grown, I think, the last year. We did it in um, 2019 for its 10th anniversary prior to the pandemic, and we raised a quarter of a million dollars. It was a big deal.
1: Yes, I was there, and so was Andrea. Yes. (laughs) We both had an awesome time and were so impressed with the ability and the amount of women and the support for... This global gaming woman kick up your heels. And you know, event. Christy,
0: what I remember from that year and then the year before, the year before is when I had one of the, you know, those body chilling, because your company had so many women at the year before, but the number of men, I think, when you surveyed the room, there was a minimum of 25% of the most senior men in the industry. And what had been established was the importance of spending time. With the power that had been created by that organization. What are the plans going forward? What's the great things that are going on?
2: Well, I had, first, Andrea, I think your comment about the number of men in attendance mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is so valid. Yes. And what's interesting is they're the most senior men. Correct. Yes. So I think as it moves forward, more and more men will figure this out that it's such a great place to network. Correct. And will attend. Um, we had to, because of the pandemic, cancel this year, but we definitely are doing it again next year. And it's always the Wednesday of G2E, mm-hmm. so it's sometimes mm-hmm. October, sometimes November. Mm-hmm. And Wynn is going to sponsor us for next year, so we already have our sponsor. And right. we'll make it something wonderful, because I think there's going to be a pent-up demand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Patty, I want to know, because you've you've been part of gaming for a long time I want to know what you've experienced previously and what are the barriers going forward that remain for women Um, what do you think is the biggest challenge now for women
2: you know I am I think the comment that the world has changed is the correct answer I am not sure male or female any of us know what the workplace is going to be prospectively right
0: and are you excited about that for the women you're mentoring?
2: Yeah, I, you know, times are changing, the industry is changing, the Me Too movement I think has has changed corporate America. Okay. for the better. Okay. for the better. And mm-hmm. it's not just about sexual harassment, it's mm-hmm. about realizing that you can have an environment that you're unaware of and what that environment can do mm-hmm. or not do. Right. So I just think that there's going to be, I think the workplace in corporate America is going to be better for women.
0: Great. Uh, I, I would say, Christy, you're you're there. It's hard. It's easy for me to say, oh, I think that's too. But, you know, I, I get to live outside that circle. What do you, do you feel it in what you're experiencing? Is there the change there?
1: I think the change is there. I think there's still a need to look at some of the unconscious biases that occur. Sure. Um, because I think even well-intended individuals sometimes make slip-ups that, you know, um, undermine women. And um, so, But I think that we're all starting to be aware of our unconscious bias. And if we can offer compassion when that happens, you know, I think that is helpful but I do have hope because I think people are intentional about wanting more right. diversity. They're aware. That's They're what I'm, aware. I'm getting
0: a, a sense that the heightened awareness awareness no matter how uncomfortable it is is really there. And you know, Christy, you mentioned that word hope. So, Patty, I want to sum up from where you sit, where the things you're involved in, the way you know you're educating women to move forward within this particular industry. What is your greatest hope of what's going to evolve next? We don't have to know, just a hope.
2: That women comprise 50% of the board of directors on all publicly traded companies or more. And hopefully those women will then find voices to speak out and support other women so that the companies become More user friendly for women. And there are industries and companies that have done this, Mm -hmm. some accounting companies. So it can be done. Right. It's a little harder in the gaming industry because it's a 24 7 job and industry. Right. And it's not just the women at the top that need assistance because when you're at the top, you have power and when you have power you can speak you can do things but you have to use that power to assist and protect and develop all the other women within that organization
1: oh petty i love that and i will tell you
0: that for me always being outside you know being in the small to medium sized business ownership and and in that world versus the corporate when i hear things like 50% of women on boards and and the equity that is clearly desperately needed within the corporations. I am always humbled by the fact that all women will not think alike. What they will want to put forward is not alike, but at least we will now have voices that are so distinctly different. And um, before we leave, Patty, I just want, you know, this has been a long year for everyone, is there anything in particular that you'd like to leave us with as we go through this year? How are you staying positive?
2: Oh, my word, laughter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, great. Love it. Yay. <laughs> love it. Yay! You know, I, I have a warm, kind, loving husband and son. Um, my son just got a new puppy that yes. has made us. Oh, yeah.
1: charmed a us new grand death. puppy. <laughs> <laughs> but I have... Um,
2: I have, I have a couple of things here. One is I think it might be helpful if people know how I met Andrea and therefore why I agreed to do this. Andrea, Andrea picked me up at a cocktail party over, oh my word, 40 years ago, and she did it with a purpose. Mm-hmm. She was young, new to Nevada, and her husband was a senior executive in, well, he ran Harris. Right, he was the president of Harris. And so she picked me up. It wasn't the other way around. I was a young deputy AG at gaming. And then she had me meet her husband, who eventually hired me for my first job in the gaming industry mm-hmm. and has hired me on subsequent and recommended me on subsequent occasions. Yeah. But I thought it was interesting that she had the acumen, the foresight, to figure that out and want to get to know me. And we have remained friends for all of this time. Yes. Yes. Um, so it, yes. it's just... Thank you. Yeah, it's <laughs> but, it's but Patty, comment. And then the other thing I want to make is just about Global Gaming Women and also about life. Okay. So I no longer am on the board of Global Gaming Women okay. because I believe that the women of my era need to give other women a chance. Mm-hmm. Because was. you can't let other women come forward unless you move away a little bit. Perfect. I rarely do any public speaking. I mm-hmm. did this because of Andrea, my (laughs) relationship with her, but I really, you know, getting, um, I'm not out there trying to get more publicity to assist me in my career, but there are tons of incredibly competent women who are, and we have to make way for those women. We have to give others a chance.
0: You know, Patty, that is, um, you know, having had such a long-term relationship with you, what if, if our listeners can just hear that, yes, it it was serendipitous how we met and then how we, because we could trust each other, how we recommended each other. And I'd like to close by just saying, you know, you were the person who, when I went back to school to get a master's degree and I was doing a study on women's behavior, you were the person who put the women together so that I had people in my studies. And that's our greatest hope, I believe, for all of us, that When we see the people who need the hand up, when we see that the tools that they need in order to move forward, whether it's at the beginning of their careers or stepping aside and being incredible mentors as they go forward, that's what is going to be so different.
1: Absolutely, Patty. Thank you so much for joining us. Patty Becker is an attorney, consultant, and mentor for women in the gaming industry. I'm Christy Atwater,
0: and I'm Andrea Gigline, and this is Hey Boss Lady.